Hello and welcome to the Property Newbies podcast. I'm Courtney Bryan and I'm here with my podcast partner, Jeremy Gulliver. In today's episode, we're joined by Steph Cork, who's doing some amazing things in the property space. Today, we're gonna be talking about how and why she started her property business and the challenges of building a business whilst raising children. And of course, breaking down the female gender stereotypes. So stay tuned, this one's gonna be a good one. And don't forget to stick around to the end for Steph's advice about starting out. So Steph, it's great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Now, before we get into it, a um, question I'd like to ask is, who are you? Tell us a bit about yourself. <laughs> okay, so I'm Steph Cork. Uh, I am kind of a property newbie. I've had I've been a bit of a hobbyist, I guess. Um, you know, renovating our own homes um, before, uh, but now I'm full time in property, and I'm a mum of two boys, and um, yeah, just a bit of a renovation addict, really. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And in terms of yourself, then tell us something interesting or quirky about yourself that people may not know or would find interesting. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say call myself like interesting. I think that's um, part of the thing is that what I'm, what I'm doing is um, anyone can do what I'm doing. It, it just takes a bit of, a bit of guts and a bit of belief and, you know, some, some good support around you to do it. But I wouldn't say that I'm kind of unique in any, any way. Um, I would say that I, uh, I'm a bit of a geek <laughs> when it comes to certain kind of topics. So um, I like to go all all in on stuff. So if I'm going to do something, I'll, I'll do yeah. it properly. And um, I like to, you know, I'm pretty obsessed with, with property at the moment and making sure that I am really abreast of what's going on. So I know everything that's on for sale and the kind of target area that I'm looking at. So ask me anything and I'll, I'll know what's, uh, what's going on and a bit of a history geek as well. So yeah. I like, I like older properties, um, good dimensions, good challenges, always have kind of curb appeal, etc. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's anything kind of extraordinary about me, but I would say that, uh, I, uh, I can be quite geeky sometimes when yeah. it comes to certain subjects. Okay. So I'm sensing a bit of a theme here. You're, you're quite geeky, <laughs> uh, but you, know, you, you told me something before we started recording though, it was your birthday recently and you, and you did something really wild, didn't you? Do you want to, do you want to tell our <laughs> listeners what, what it was you did for your birthday and how you celebrated it? Yeah. wild. I mean, I am, I like, don't, don't like, judge me too hard um but i am i am doing drinks with friends like on, on next weekend but um i spent a lot of my time in the corporate world and um <laughs> i i just thought it'd be good on the eve of my birthday to do uh, like an end of year review oh god i'm cringing at myself <laughs> um so just just a really good time to kind of take stock and look at what i've achieved over the last 12 months and kind of how far i've come just not only from a kind of property perspective but also personally you know i'm feeling fitter and healthier and um you know kind of working on myself a lot i've read more books this this last year than i did the, the year before so i did a bit of a like a like a, almost like an appraisal um um, not because I miss the corporate world too much, but <laughs> I guess it's always good to just kind of go back and reevaluate and and see how far you've come sometimes. So uh, yeah. So instead of going out partying or going out for a nice meal with your with your husband or drinks with friends, you thought, I don't know, let's do an end of year review. Love it, love you it. Just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, my party days are. I mean, I've got I've got two young children. They're six and three, so I'm not exactly, um, you know, the, the kind of wild party nights are kind of in the past. But uh, yeah, I do have a social life before uh, <laughs> before I portray myself as someone who's not. But yeah, I I did I did think it was quite nice. It got quite a nice time to just do a bit of a yeah. take stock. Well, that is quite 
quite a sensible thing to do to to take stock of the the year ahead, uh, the year gone, and everything that's happened so far. That's um, you know, as funny as that is, that's it's quite a sensible thing to do as well. Yeah, perhaps I shouldn't have called it an end, end of year review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, re- rebrand it, an, an end of year review. <laughs> My quarterly appraisal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, um, and tell us a bit about your your background at the moment um, in terms of work. So. Um, Roll back a few years. So I um, I never intended to have my own business. It was never really something that appealed to me. My um, I've always been kind of like warned off of, of being an employer of people and things like that. So I was quite happy being, you know, um, part of a corporate life and working for a large company. And mm. that was kind of my plan, really. So, you know, I worked in London, you know, I used to go up for drinks after work, and I just absolutely loved it. And then I had children and everything changed for me. Um, I was through the looking glass, you know, I couldn't really go back to how things were before. And I think a lot of parents would will appreciate that that life is never the same. Once you mm. once you become a parent, and you know, the the corporate life no longer served me. And so I had to make a plan. It was particularly after I came back from my second mat leave. So my youngest is three. So if you can do the maths, you know, 2020 was when I was going back to work and the world had changed. You know, I came back in into work and everyone had been working from home for six months. I had a new boss, a new team, and I just... I just felt really unsupported and I felt quite lost. I did what I always do. I immersed myself in work and I, you know, did long hours, even though I worked three days a week and, you know, it, it didn't really come to anything. You know, all of that effort and that work was just the same as if I'd done, you know, work the hours that I was contracted to to work for. Mm. And, it was at that time where I was kind of like a bit of an evaluation moment. Where I was like, why am I doing this? Like, what is the purpose of this? And actually, where's this going to go? Like, if I if I follow this thread through, then where does this lead me? And am I happy with that outcome? And so that's when we'd been talking about property, me and my husband, for a while. And kind of thought, you know what? Like, this is the time. Yes, I've got young children. Yes, I'm not they're not sleeping through the night um, <laughs> but I can go all in on that and educate myself sign up with a mentor get as much information as I can to really just speed you know speed up the journey to leaving work and uh, that's where I am now yeah all right good you mentioned about mentors there we'll, we'll come back onto that a bit later because it's something sure. I, want, I want to talk about but would you say there was a pivotal moment into starting your journey into property or you mentioned a lot of things there but was there can you attribute it to one you know pivotal moment or it's a collection of a few things um I say there there was I think I had built my self-esteem on my success at work like a lot of people do and I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do it's just it wasn't right for me. Um, and so I went back to, to work after a second child, my bucket was more full. Anyone that's got more than one child will know that, you know, the second time around, it's a really self-conscious time coming back to work after, after maternity leave anyway. But when you've got two children, you know, cost of childcare is extortionate and you've just got much more pressure on your shoulders. And I, you know, worked really late. I was answering emails at like midnight, you know, I was just doing 
I was working all the hours that God sent because I believed that that was the right thing to do to kind of get myself back in the back in the game almost of, yeah. of working. And then I was recommended for like a, a one on my end of year review. Um, and then my boss left quite quickly. And, you know, there was so many promises about pay rises and like, you know, you're the one to watch, you're like one for the future rising star, all these sorts of phrases. And then it just all evaporated. And I think at that moment I was kind of like, right, like, why am I doing this again? Um, I might as well just do my own thing. And at least then with the effort that you put in, you can get out again and see the re rewards for yourself. If I'm going to work that hard, I might as well work for myself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's almost like a catalyst for, for you starting in property. Yeah, yeah. I'd say had I not had children, I'm, I, I might have ended up in property anyway because, because we'd renovated our own houses and kind of flipped them almost to kind of up mm. the up the housing chain almost um i've always had a love for property so i might have ended up there anyway but i think for that was for me was when i was like no no i need to i need to kind of make a plan now mm. for the next two three years to, to get myself out of of the corporate world it just it just no longer served me mm. yeah okay so you mentioned that you always had a love for property where where did that come from then so my parents aren't together. They haven't been together since I was three. And um, so I've lived in a lot of houses okay. <laughs> um, between <laughs> them enough. and everything. So um, and my both of my parents bought like projects um, in various different kinds. Of stuff. So I was quite used to, you know, going to, you know, uh, renovation shops at the weekend and kind of you know, the still quite love the smell of a timber yard uh, <laughs> um i can relate to that to yeah i do yeah. something about it right timber, yeah uh, i just love that it's nostalgia for me so I, I i guess i'd always grown up around renovating houses and i always loved the tv shows you know the grand designs even changing rooms back in the day uh, really hammer. showing my yeah homes on the hammer showing yeah. my age um on the changing rooms and um so i've always loved that kind of renovation making something better kind of creativity and um it was more out of necessity than um kind of wanting but we we bought a flat in london in 2012 um we bought in the right area at the right time i again like really geekily went really into the data like looked at trends and looked at yep. kind of what square footage you'd be paying and we found a property bought that and then um lived in it for four years and it went up in value yeah, 150 grand which was far more than I earned in that time wow. and um, I was like wow this is amazing so the evidence was there I just wasn't really like tuned into it so then I was like right okay I think we can take on a house um, but I didn't want to move area so the the, the 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 chasm between like a flat and a house and the area that I wanted to live in was quite large. Mm. So it's almost out of necessity. We we could only afford a two bed terraced rundown property that's been owned since the seventies by the same person, um, a lady that went into a home. So we bought that and knocked the back off of it. Did a side return back extension, planning permission for the loft. I think there's only two walls in the whole thing that weren't like was still standing in their original place so just a light project then just a light you <laughs> yeah. know back to brick you know full renovation um and so we got the keys of that and then two weeks later found out i was pregnant wow, my wow. first child so had a hard deadline for those builders and um they the project was finished uh the carpets were fitted the day my son was born 
Wow. So it was really to the wire. Yeah. So you would have been heavily pregnant during the end of that refurb then? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. All, like he was late. So I was like on a, on a gym ball rolling around the kitchen, like painting touch ups, like with this massive, and like, I'm short, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm five foot two and a half. Um, and he was 11 pounds. So I looked like Humpty Dumpty. So I think <laughs> there's nothing quite like the pressure of a pregnant woman standing over you to make a build a wet really fast. Yeah, um, oh, sure. So I think that really helped <laughs> to keep everything on time. Wow. 11 pounds, did you say? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Five kilograms. He yeah. was, uh, is a big boy. That is a big boy. Put into perspective, my girl when she was born was five pound eight. So it was double the size almost. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, it was, it had a C-section, so it wasn't, yeah. it, it was, it, then you're, they're like, you shouldn't he lift heavy weights. And I was like, my baby's five kilograms. Yeah. So. <laughs> and you don't want site doing a renovation project. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, thankfully the, the builders had kind, like there was some snagging to do, but they pretty much left by the time that we, we came home. Yeah. Um, and then after that, realized, went back to work, realized how expensive childcare was and was like, okay, this is not sustainable to stay in London. So we moved to Kent uh, near okay. my uh, in-laws and um, bought another kind of, not as much of a cosmetic fixer-upper, let's just say. Um, and I need a couple of kitchen, a new kitchen, new bathrooms, decoration that sort of thing yeah. i don't think i'll ever buy a property that's like done i just can't do it yeah. <laughs> it's against my psyche um so that we renovated that and then um refinanced it at the right time and then pulled some money out to then fund our first project oh okay nice and that's sort of family home now where you are in kent is that yeah, where you live now yeah, yeah that's where we are yeah. yeah and you said you then refinanced and you started another project now is that what you're yes so, yeah yes. can you talk about that project I can. Um, yeah. So I like the complex things in life. Um, so this is a grade two listed commercial to residential all electric flat conversion. Wow. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Any challenges with the grade two listing? Absolutely. Fireproofing <laughs> and soundproofing is, uh, I'm very well versed now on the, <laughs> the fire eggs uh, for uh, flat conversions. Um, yeah. So it has presented challenges, but I don't mind mucking into mm. legislation and stuff like that. So that's kind of where I think my kind of uh, USP lies is getting stuck into that sort of thing. And what was the biggest challenge with the grade two listing issues? So fireproofing. So, um, mm. oh, I'm going to go into this now. <laughs> like... Before you do, just backtrack a little bit for the benefit of the, the, the new listeners. Can you just yeah. give an overview and explain what grade two listed building means? So grade two listed um, is for more often than not a heritage building that they want to preserve, like it's so a kind of pre-1900 um buildings that they want to preserve his historical significance or it could be architecturally interesting so like the barbican for example is listed so um there are certain things that you can and can't do to a listed building and it's all about protecting the kind of the character of it so mm -hmm. you will get some leeway when it comes to building control for example uh certain soundproofing you just can't do because you can't fix to the walls we've got lath and plaster ceilings and um in, in the building. So we cannot fix anything to those ceilings. So all the soundproofing and fireproofing, well, we had to go with a mist system basically as the fireproofing because we couldn't. So what they propose, what conservation proposed that we do is we lift the floorboards above and then we lay like a membrane mesh. So it goes kind of along the joists, along the bottom and then up. And then, um, and then the soundproofing goes on right, top of okay. that. And then you lay the floorboards back down, then you lay your flooring. But what it doesn't do is protect the underside, the joists. And obviously if they catch fire, like the whole thing's going to fall in. So um, 
what we were then looking at is an intumescent paint to go underneath and I found a paint that works for 74 minutes but the test certificate sorry I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna yeah the test certificate that was that was tested on it without me sounding crazy um was not tested on a load-bearing floor so therefore wasn't valid and in order to get a new test certificate they wanted 15 to 20 thousand pounds wow wow so I had to think creatively about how we did this. So in the end, uh, we've gone with a mist system, which uh, is uses about 10% of the water that a sprinkler system does. And it's the safest thing for tenants. Yeah. No one's ever died in a building that has some kind of sprinkler or mist system in okay. it. Um, and obviously since Grenfell, rightly so, they're really strict about the fire regulations of in course. flats. Yeah. So yeah, of course. Yeah, the mist system was the, the kind of the least intrusive way to preserve the building as well as keep it safe for tenants. Yeah, no, of course, of course. And I'd imagine, are, do you have to have specialist builders to do work on a grade two listed building then? Or? It helps if, yeah, it helps. You don't have to, it depends on your lender, um, but it helps to have have them um, certainly because there's certain things like um, the mortar for, repo if you had to do any repointing, you have to use a lime mortar yeah. um, rather than a cement mortar. So it, it helps to, it helps the building to breathe. Okay yeah no good interesting interesting and from a lender perspective as well then are specialist lenders for these type of projects or so we um the way i financed it was was a bit creative so I, I thought what most people do when they start out is that they buy on a bridge you know with development finance so they put some money in themselves they then bridge the rest and potentially development finance as well and i thought that's what i was going to do um but i bought it just after the liz trust quasi quarting Mm -hmm. trussonomics situation and um so obviously things were a bit up in the air and the goalposts were changing so they wanted instead of a 30 percent deposit they wanted a 40 percent and um just to kind of get a, a kind of additional security and i was kind of like okay well this is that's fine but the next thing that kind of kiboshed that for me was that i wanted to use um an empty home loan from the council so that's an interest-free loan for a period of three years um and it's valued per flat uh, so it's normally twenty-five thousand pounds per property um but because it's a heritage area you get up to forty thousand, and it's per flat so i've got one hundred and sixty thousand of uh, interest-free loan from the council to renovate them to spec okay. because it was empty and the bridging lenders wouldn't allow me to then bridge the purchase and then use that finance for the development. They wanted to almost do both so they could control and kind of the QS would, would do the drawdowns and yeah, kind of sign the floor up to exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they wouldn't allow me to do both. So I had to kind of get out of my comfort zone and uh, find a private investor to fund the purchase. And um, yeah, so I'm working with uh, a private individual that had some funds that they wanted to put to good use and get a good return. Okay. And could you elaborate a bit more about sort of finding that investor? Uh, a lot of newbies out there, pe people watching will want to know that's their, their biggest challenge is to find uh, investment. Um, how did you find him? Uh, was it somebody you knew, if you don't mind sharing? So um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know them before. They were actually on a different cohort of my property training. So ah, the key okay. thing is to talk to everyone about what you do and what you're looking for. Yeah. Whenever you go anywhere, just, you know, if you're going to a networking event, talk mm. to the host, say, I'm, I'm looking to raise X amount. Who, who should I sit with? Who should I speak to? Because they will know the kind of the ins and outs of, uh, of the, the kind of the objectives of all the people there. So I uh, got introduced to him. So it was, it was about 
it was actually 10 months before we actually bought it. So we've been talking a lot and I talked him through the previous projects that I'd done, you know, the renovation. So I'm not, not a stranger to building site, but this is my first kind of investment. Mm. And it's just building, you know, I know it's really, a lot of people say it's like the know, like and trust, but it really is yeah. about understanding, getting to see the whites of someone's eyes. You know, I took him around the site, showed him the, the kind of potential, showed him the area, um, talked him through some figures, talked him through all the quotes that I got from builders, just to really kind of get that, that level of trust um yeah. and and kind of go through go through that really so yeah so far it's going really well and yeah. you know i feel really really grateful that they, they took a chance on me really when i was early on no, I, love that. I love that in terms of timeline if you don't mind me asking because a lot of people ask me you know how long does it take to raise finance with an investor mm. what did what did that timeline look like in terms so, of about six months okay. so we started talking in january and then it was about the summertime that we started to kind of say because i think that by then you know the convincing was at a stage where it was like we're ready to exchange but the development finance were you know changing the the kind of the the terms of the um you know the percentage of the deposit and things like that so yeah. it was about it's about six months i'd say of, of okay courting yeah. <laughs> to to kind of get to know each other and you know obviously you've got to be sure with you've got to make sure that you're happy with them yeah, as well it's, it's not ways, it's it? yeah, yeah it's absolutely. not just one yeah. way yeah. and i think a lot of people fall into the traffic just because someone's got money just means that you have to say yes to them you've yeah. got to you've got to find that this is someone that i can be really honest with all the because you will find challenges yeah. there will be challenges you know fireproofing was something that i hadn't anticipated would be a challenge that i'd be facing yeah. and you know it's about the open honest communication so um he's been pretty pretty hands off um so it's been really great to work with he just wants to get an update so every couple of months i send yeah. him like a project summary with some pictures okay. and kind of like where i'm at with stuff what's stuck what's done what's what's in progress where i'm up to with stuff how i'm dealing with the challenges and yeah. um just he just wants to know that the progress is happening mm. and that we're getting on with yeah. stuff really so okay. yeah it's worked really well so far yeah. i was just going to ask is he, is he a hands-off investor then but i think you've just answered that so yeah how was the the loan the, the finance structured was it a debt-based loan or what yeah, so like? it's a fixed amount, yeah. um, and then we we agreed a percentage up yeah. front, um, and then um, you know he's got security within that as well. So uh, I say I, I, he's pretty happy from what from all I understand, he's he seems pretty happy with everything. So it's kind of win win all round. Yeah. Oh, good. Can we backtrack on that um, empty homes loan? Yes, thing? I thought you might. Yeah, something <laughs> for my sins. I've not actually come across that. So it'd be interesting to neither, no. know a bit more about that. If there's yeah. money, money going out there that we can get our hands on in our local authorities, then yeah. I'm all for it. So back to my uh, geek researching kind of analysis mode, just some late night Googling. <laughs> found, came across this empty, it's a no use empty, and it's only certain councils that run it uh, so kent where i operate is one of those councils so caveat mm. to everyone listening it may not be available in your area but do absolutely check yeah. so it's called no use empty so they will come and do a, a site survey and kind of understand you know the numbers you need to get a, a survey from a, a rick surveyor yeah. to value everything um and then it's a case of um making sure that you're documenting the spend and um yeah you get it in tranches like you would from development finance okay so is, is, is it the same as development finance then or is it for a purchase as well that you can get it for so no it's, it's just for the development just for development yeah okay. yeah so yeah. i had to use so so the way that we've structured it is that uh, we've put our own money in the investors topped it up to the purchase price yeah. and then all the development is coming from the the no use empty 
Okay. Loan. And is there a cap on that no use or that empty loans? Yeah. So normally it's 25,000 a property, but okay. obviously with flats, it's per flat. Um, yeah. And because mine's in a heritage area, it's up to 40. So I've got okay. up, to, up to 160 for my four flats. Yeah. I think we better check out our local authorities. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. See, see what's going on, right? And yeah. can I also ask as well, you mentioned you're doing this with your partner. So if, uh, mm. um, do you, on this sort of journey to in property, do you have much support from your friends and family? Uh, have you, a, a lot of people starting out find it's challenging to get people around them to understand what it is you're trying to do? How, how's your experience with uh, support from friends and family? Yeah, I mean, my husband's brilliant. I mean, I, you know, I... I, I not just saying that because he's going to listen to this, but he genuinely <laughs> is. <laughs> genuinely is. Um, he's That's really, good. really good at because because we've both lived through all the refurbishments, and um, yeah, he he understands my vision about you know what what I'm trying to do um, as mm. well. So he's he's absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, would couldn't have asked for anyone better on that on that front. Um, you know, my my friends and my family are, are just really supportive, but they don't always. I think because I've kind of really gone into the rabbit hole of, of educating myself, like there's certain things that you forget where your head is compared to, to everyone else. And so it, it's quite easy to take for granted how far you've come when it comes to that's education. Very true. Yeah. yeah. That's very true. Um, and so sometimes I'll be like, you know, talking about stuff and they're like, that's just mad. Cause I'm like, yeah, and then I can move this money around. Then I'm going to take this development loan and then we're going to do this. And then, and they're like, what? It's way over their head, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're really supportive. Um, and Good. you know, if anyone ever wants to find out about it, I, I'm always happy to, to kind of give them my knowledge on that sort of so stuff. So reach out to you on, on social media. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's really hard being on your own. I think that's the one thing I really miss from a kind of my corporate job is that camaraderie, that teamship, that kind of being part of a bigger kind of cog, cog in, a, in a larger machine. Like I do, I do miss that a bit. Yeah. Um, and it yeah. can be quite lonely sometimes, um, you know, especially when you're kind of just sat at your laptop working from home and, you know, then you've got to do the school run and it's, it's, it's hard to kind of offload. So my poor husband, he gets at the end of the day, he gets like, a full like rundown of this is where I'm at with this this is how I do this I'm thinking about doing that and he's just like kind yeah. of yeah that yeah sounds good or like maybe change that or like you know maybe think about this so he's he's been a really really good sounding yeah, you're right. well. it, can, it can be a lonely place can't it mm. you know being an entrepreneur building a business it's quite yeah. lonely you know a lot of people talk about the loneliness of it so it's good that you've got that support as well yeah 100% um, and, it, and you're both full-time doing this or is it just no, you so or? he so he um so I'm full-time so it's kind of my baby so he's yeah. he's supportive but he's not like uh fully active in the business he's he's more yeah. of a kind of a a partner silent partner i guess but yeah, yeah he's yeah it's my it's my thing mainly yeah. so if anyone's reaching out to the business it's it's me it's you. get, yeah you're, you're the face behind the business yeah. <laughs> yeah. and if you've got clearly defined roles and responsibilities and i know you said it's primarily you but are there clear yeah. boundaries of what I you think we have can that. and can't do <laughs> i think we have that in our marriage anyway like we we are very complementary in our in yeah. our skills so even with like personal things like i'm the runner when it, i'm the researcher and the runner so even if it comes to like making a decision about like renovating the house like i'll do all the research and yeah. then I'll present him with the options and then he'll pick one. We have that kind of <laughs> relationship anyway. So I kind of tend to be the the kind of the the, the first layer of researching things and getting yeah. to know things. And then he kind of is the one that's kind of like, uh, really, he's really level-headed and so he kind of gets, he has a, and he has a really good judgment. So he can always be yeah. like, that looks right. That doesn't look right to me. Okay. And this is why and things like that. So that's kind of how we work in personal and business. Yeah. Side note of your husband, <laughs> how would your husband celebrate his birthday? Well, golf is his is, is passion. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. E yeah. Equally corporate, though. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 he does. Yeah, yeah. He does. yeah, we're just corporate lovers. Um, so he, um, yeah, so he's, it's his big birthday this year. So he's, he's 40 in October. Mm, so he's doing a, yeah. a golf thing and then a, a bit of a soiree. A lot of wealthy evening. people not at golf, apparently. I keep telling yeah, him that he so needs to make his... I keep his, hearing uh, this all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, he needs yeah, to make his membership pay place. for itself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, good. good. <laughs> so um, let's talk about mindset for a bit. Mm. I think it follows on nicely from the whole loneliness of entrepreneurship. Mm. I mean, it's a big, it's, mindset's a big thing. You know, it's a big area in building business, development, growth in general. And a lot of people always talk about it being the, you know, the, the pivotal you know, step of where you get into from a success perspective. So how has your mindset changed since starting a business? It, I can't really quantify it because it's, it's, it's such a shift like just that. So I'll roll back a bit. So mm -hmm. when I, I think I said to you before that a lot of my self worth and self-esteem was tied up with my success in in work and kind of corporate life and so for some people that that really serves them and for me it no longer did it, it did for a time but then it, it yeah. no longer did and so I had to do some work to remap my reality and that's mm -hmm. I'm using words from um Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people because that's the first yep. book that I read yep. when I was in that Great stage book. I kind of retreated into thinking and had to just do some work on rebuilding my foundation on the right plane yeah um and that was that was hard it was really hard to do to kind of you know for so long I had linked my self-worth with with how I was validated at work and and that no longer was able to serve me so I had to 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 do the work and kind of discover myself again so it started there um and then since then I've just been kind of almost hooked on finding out about myself and kind of how I can level up my thinking and how yeah. I can evolve myself and that's part of the kind of end of year appraisal that I did in terms <laughs> of uh, how many books have I read and I kind of feel like I've, I've, I'm pulling on a thread of, of of something and I want to just keep seeing where it where it leads yeah and did, would you say that changed again even more when you had kids how did that change yeah I mean having having children is is I don't think anything can prepare you for that I think you know I I had lots of friends that had children that were always like, oh, you know, things change. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, all that unsolicited advice and tips, Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I heard all of it. And I worked yeah. with a lot of amazing mothers that were juggling like motherhood and, and career. And then it was only when I went through, through the looking glass that I was just like, hang on a minute, this is really, this is really unbalanced. Um, so I get less pay because I'm working part time, but my costs have gone up and I'm also raising the next generation and I've got less time to do the same work as my full time peers. Like something is not adding up yeah. here. And that's, yeah. So I think there's, there's, there's quite an interesting thing that someone sent to me the other day about flamingos. Have you heard this? Um, no. Where the process of becoming mothers for flamingos is is such so draining for them they literally lose their color so they go from pink to almost white and then it's a case of as their children become more independent and less reliant on them they actually get their color back so they get their pink back wow, almost I and, yeah, and I, I, I do definitely think mm. that it's such a um self-conscious time being a mother and you you find out a lot about yourself 
then not let alone starting your own business but you find out a lot about yourself as a mother and kind of what's important to you and what isn't important to you anymore and um it's i think i think it's really really a shame that we don't support mothers better um particularly parents but but mothers particularly because it is you know we are raising the next generation as as parents but mothers do have far more on their shoulders just beginning with the fact that paternity leave is two weeks yeah it just it just shifts it onto the mother's shoulders after two weeks and you're kind of literally left holding the baby baby yeah 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 I, I, i think not to get too political but i think the system in the uk um when it comes to parenthood is is all wrong yeah i mean there are there are other you know countries that i think that have got this on lock a bit better the nordics being a good example yeah um so i think there's work to be done um i think there are some sort of petitions going on or consultations around this but i think we're a long way off where it needs to be and like you said the shift on mothers is is, there's a lot of pressure on mothers so yeah yeah totally get where you're coming from and i think for, for me i i i support the choice i think there's a lot of people that get that get forced to make decisions and or accept situations that they're they're not actually happy with so if someone wants to be a stay-at-home mom like absolutely like good on you i couldn't do it myself yeah lockdown taught me that yeah. <laughs> um oh, it's, yes. it's it's not it's not like my my but i also couldn't do go back to full-time corporate life and yeah. not see them during the week so i'm kind of like i'm i'm neither nor but both but at the same time like i support if you want to if you want to be at home with your kids fantastic if you want to go back to work fantastic um i kind of didn't want either of those i wanted something in between yeah. but i want the best of both ways i want to have i want to be able to pick them up from school i've basically started a business so that i can pick them up from school yeah. and do the summer holidays without having to worry um that's what's really important to me um and i don't think that we are setting up that choice for parents. Yeah. I think that's where we're getting it wrong. Yeah, totally no, I, agree. I agree. I agree. Mm. And it's two boys you said you've got, right? Yes, yeah. six and three. So I suppose, is there, do you, do you feel there's a, an added pressure on you then being a mother to two boys? Yeah. 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 I, I, I say not everyone might feel this way, but I certainly do. I, I do feel, I just feel like I've got a bit of a point to prove that, that I'm more than a mother. Yeah. Um, And I know being a mother is, like one of the most amazing things that you can be but I also want to show them that you know you can build something whilst also being present for them and um that that working mothers shouldn't be on the scrap heap of society that's 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 really like that's really important to me to kind of show them what mothers can do yeah and I suppose that you're more than just mum as well, right? There's more yeah. to what you offer as well. Yeah, I think there was there was one time when I was, um, I think it was after my first child that I went to a dinner and obviously I've been in like leggings and like dirty t-shirts for so long, like just <laughs> slumming about the house, just trying to like survive. And I was actually like dolled myself up and went to a dinner. And I was just like, oh my God, I have nothing to talk about. I have nothing to, unless you want to talk about my child, sleep and feeding, I've got nothing. And yeah. I thought that for me, I was kind of like, I'm always someone who's got an opinion and always quite well versed on stuff. And I just thought I didn't feel like me, didn't yeah. feel like myself. And it's important to find yourself in all of this, both motherhood and, and business. Yeah. No, great. No, I love that. I love that. So let's go back a bit. You spoke about mentorship um, yes. earlier on. So there's a lot of educators out there at the moment in the, in the property space, some good, some not so good. Um, <laughs> what's been your experience? 
of property education today? So I um so I signed up with so, where where do I even start on this? So I started um reading books and following loads of people on Instagram. That's kind of where I started and just like kind of I think late that's where night. A lot of people start, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I was late night scrolling, you know, doing the night feeds, so that kind of thing. That's where I kind of I mean I was just like watching all these people do amazing stuff and being like, Yeah, I want a piece of this, I want to do this. And then um wasn't really getting anywhere. Um I didn't really kind of know where to to start. And I was looking at buy to lets um you know near near where I lived and then I went to a webinar and they talked about HMOs um and so I was like okay HMOs because I don't really want to be I'm I'm based in Kent I've got two small children I don't really want to be traveling up to Liverpool every weekend and like buying up there no offense to anyone that invests in Liverpool it's a fantastic area it's just really far away from me so I was kind of like okay what can I do that's going to work in my local area and actually going to get the yields and the rent that's going to work? And actually, I do think that HMOs are the future of renting. We do have a housing shortage and it provides that kind of community, uh, you know, to combat loneliness under young, yeah. with young people, yeah, as long as they're totally done properly, because there are some ones that aren't done properly. You can have a really lovely co-living environment that kind of gives the, you know, affordable rent, uh, whilst also a really lovely, clean, safe space for people to live. So I was kind of like, okay, HMOs is, is for me. I didn't want to do SA, even though it would work where I am, but because the peaks, it would have been holiday lets where I live, and the peaks would have been the summer holidays when I want to be off with my children. So I was like, yeah. no, 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 I don't want, I don't want like feast and famine. I want steady monthly income. I can project it. I know where I'm at, and so HMOs kind of seemed to be the thing. So I signed up with a chap called Rick Gannon, who is really well known as um, HMO um, landlord and investor. And then I bought a block of flats. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but the mentorship, uh, I, I don't think I would have had the confidence to do that deal if I hadn't got the, the kind of coaching from, from Rick's team, for, for sure. You know, one of the coaches, Sam, was, was someone I spoke to like, every week. And he just gave me the kind of the impetus and courage to, to, to kind of go for it. And, and so it's, it's kind of co-living. It's one block, but it's, uh, it's not an HMO. <laughs> oh. And what did you look for when, um, in the mentor when, before you started with Rick then? So do you look for compatibility uh, in personality? Do you look for proof of concept that they've, they're, they're doing, they have done what you're looking to do? Uh, how, what was the process? Yeah, so um, I think for me, it was it was actually Rick's wife, Lorraine, that, that kind of sold it to me. She's a hmm. previous chartered accountant. And oh, okay. I mean, I just kind of, I love that, stereotyping but if a sensible accountant can get on board with this and and make this work whilst also juggling being a mother and I was mm. like no that's that's more aligned to me and what I'm mm. looking to to achieve um and the fact that they are still investing that I would say if you're if you are going to sign up with a with a mentor make sure they're still buying and investing in the yeah. current market yeah. um and so that was also something that that was really like key for me um and then the kind of the frequency of of check-ins the access is so so Sam, the the coach um, and Rick's team was was just instrumental to me getting to where I needed to be, um, and then subsequently after that, I've then signed up with a lady called Sarah Point and Ryan. Uh, she runs a strategy hub, um, and that's more. It's less about education. I mean, there is education in there, but for me, I needed the uh, implementation. So it's more about how to set up your business in the right way, marketing, you know, sales funnels, social media, um, you know accountancy you know that sort of thing so it's more um the next step after education and that's kind of what i needed at the time so i've kind of done two two different ones 
Yeah, I think you can get stuck in that sort of cycle, can't you, of just constant education and taking on more knowledge and information. And sometimes you just need to take action. You know, yeah. as they say knowledge without action is a waste of time so yeah um yeah no absolutely uh, absolutely love that um so yeah no um any final words then steph for you know anyone starting out in property what sort of advice would you give to someone just starting out in property maybe that have kids as well trying to build a business with kids any sort of tips advice you'd give I think the best advice that I ever heard, uh, rather than a piece of advice from, from me, was to build a business that you actually want, that's going to fit the life that you want to live. So I just mentioned about holiday let. So I could have set up a holiday let business and I could, yes, absolutely, you can have staff that will do the kind of day to day. But realistically, in the early days, it's you that's kind of the, the, the person that does everything. And that's not the business that I wanted to be living the life, you know, that the business would be running me rather than me running the business. And so actually to, to build a business that, that will give you either a case of you want to replace a job with another job, like that's absolutely fine. Or you want to replace it with something a bit more passive. So I'm, I'm looking at now into uh, the supported living space. It's a really under, undersupplied area um yeah. accessible homes like 95 percent of homes are not wheelchair accessible for example and mm. what's great about that is one i'm an empath um you know it's really important for me to be you know mission driven and heart-led um with with my properties um so that really fits with with kind of my um my values but also it's a real ticking time bomb we, there aren't enough houses that meet the requirements for um those that have additional needs and um you know, accessibility requirements and so there's a huge need for it it fits around it's quite passive because the um the the care provider will be doing the majority of the kind of day-to-day management of the tenants it's doing some good it's highly investable so i kind of like well why wouldn't i build that business mm-hmm. um it might not be as commercially um viable as quickly as as holiday lets but actually it's about the long term you know making sure that so you can you can lead with your heart and that it, it fits with your own values so that's again like i've built i'm building a business that fits with my life and my priorities as well so that would be my my biggest advice is to kind of fast forward yourself to a few years down the line actually is this a business that i want to do i want to be a rent to rent essay person am i am i just want to replace one job with another job or do i want to do something that's that's going to allow me that balance no love that love (laughs) that thanks for joining us Steph. thank you so much very interesting conversation Thank you so much for having me. And I hope me. a lot of the newbies who watch this will uh, be inspired by your journey and, <laughs> and advice as, as well. And oh, I'm sure a lot of people will reach out to you also. Thank you oh, so on that much. Note, how, how do people reach out to you? Uh, so I'm uh, on Instagram and TikTok as Steph Cork Property. So S-T-E-P-H-C-O-R-K Property. Thank you. Brilliant. Amazing. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you.